What is relative energy deficiency in sport? And what are the many ways it can negatively impact health and performance? Are you aware of the signs and symptoms? You're going to want to tune into this week's episode number 98 to learn more about this important topic. Even if you're not a highly competitive athlete, if you're not an elite level athlete, but you are active or you are athletic or you work with someone who is an athlete, if you're a coach, trainer, nutrition professional, or even a parent or guardian, this is a very important topic to become more educated about. So thank you for being here. Welcome to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast, your source for all things sports nutrition related. This show is hosted by myself, Dina Griffin, and my co-host, Bob Sibahar. We are both registered dietitians and board-certified specialists in sports dietetics with combined professional experience exceeding 40 years. We're here to help provide translations of nutrition and sports science to real life, give you interviews with a variety of experts and athletes where you enhance your knowledge and bring a great nutrition conversation to you each week. So yes, in this week's episode number 98, we are doing an overview of the concept of relative energy deficiency in sport. Thank you for being here this week with us. And real quick, before we get to the show, just wanted to mention that we'd love to connect with you on Instagram. If you could give us a follow over at ISN Podcast, that would be awesome. And you can also connect with us individually, Bob's over at Energy Performance. E-N-R-G performance and myself, Dina. I'm over at Nutrition Mechanic on Instagram. Always great to connect with all of you cool listeners. Thank you again. And now let's get on to episode number 98. Dina, what's your favorite color? (laughs) Blue. I knew you were going to say that. You I don't did? know why. I don't know. Why. Well, I mean, there's some popular, co- I mean, like the most popular ones, like blue is definitely one of the most popular color, Aww. like favorite colors. That's interesting. And listeners, you're like, are they on the air? Do they know they're actually know. being recorded right I, now? I, I think I heck? know one of your faves, but. Do you know? Go ahead. Ask me. What is your fave color? My absolute favorite color is red. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, I listeners. Should we unpack this a little bit? Like, why the heck are we I talking know. about our favorite colors? What does this have to do with sport nutrition? Yes. Well, I just thought it'd be kind of fun to introduce that way because I knew my favorite color specifically is red. And I actually didn't know yours, so I wanted to know it, right? But this is kind of leading us into what we're talking about today, and that is reds, R-E-D-S, right? And that it's, it's interesting because no, it's not a color, right? It is relative energy deficiency. Is it in sport or is it a syndrome? I don't know where we're at with this, D. You know, originally it was in sport. Yeah. Okay. So let's just, what this is, I'm going to give you here in a second, but I just wanted to kind of take you back here a little bit. So this it, it kind of used to be referred to as the female athlete triad. And that actually started or was conceived in 1997. And that was just three basic things that they looked at in female specifically. And that was uh, bone mineral density, bone issues, right? Uh, menstrual irregularities, all surrounding low energy availability, or basically not having enough calories in the body, right? Now, 
fast forward 17 years and they actually changed the female athlete triad to be this reds started as red s but now reds because what they realize and when i say they i mean really mean researchers realize that you know this isn't female specific right this is happening in males also so what this is and they changed the name in 2014 to to kind of include this but reds is basically just it's it's impaired physiological functioning that is caused by a relative energy deficiency state. And that's the red part of this, right? So they're basically we're talking about, I mean, this is what's funny, D, because I when I when I, you know, kind of educate people on this, they're like, oh, so I'm just not eating enough. Well, yes and no. It's not just you're not eating enough, right? But the history of it is kind of fascinating. And I love that they changed the name of this because, you know, I remember back in the days check check that we only thought oh we only talk about this with females because it's only the female athlete triad there's these group of three things going on but i think it's great i mean as a male because you know obviously i work with a lot of males too and just to be able to be you know kind of open this up a little bit for discussion because a lot of times males do have energy deficiency um and one thing i want to get to you know after i i pass the baton to you is you know, why does this relative energy deficiency actually present itself in athletes? But that's kind of our intro where we're going today, listeners, is we're talking about relative energy deficiency in sports, happens with males, happens with females. What we're going to do here is just kind of give you the 30,000 foot view, right? We're not going to get into a lot of specifics because we want to introduce it first. So you know what we're talking about. And then on future episodes, we'll actually unpack some of the, the specifics and get to get down to the 10,000 foot view. I think, Bob, it's important to note as we get started on this overview is for anyone who's like, is this episode for me? I don't know. Mm is that this can happen in an active person. This can happen, like you don't have to be an elite professional athlete to have relative energy deficiency. You can be, yeah, as you said, basically any gender, any age, right? So I think don't, you know, hang up the phone here yet. <laughs> hang, hang with us because this, could, this yeah. could be something very pertinent to you or a family member or friend training partner, et cetera. Yeah. And sometimes it's not purposeful, right? D like I've worked with a lot of, and I've actually gone into some of this on my own when I was really training a lot back in the days. Right. Um, but it, with more and more athletes, endurance athletes specifically that I'm working with who are longer distance. And I'm not really talking too much about the ultra. I, I kind of feel like in my practice, at least it's not the short distance and it's not the ultra because short distance, they usually don't, I mean, they don't, they don't have many mishaps when it comes to eating uh, times or availability, let's call it. The ultras, you know, we're eating when we're out there. I mean, that's like, you know, we basically just take a picnic with us. I think it's right in between. Like I've had a lot of these challenges with Ironman athletes who are putting in, you know, six, seven, eight hour training days. And so let me set this up like this energy deficiency. And this is what you're saying, Dee, it, it kind of holds true and it, it kind of touches all of us because energy deficiency isn't just us not eating enough food. It could be that maybe I'm out on a six hour bike ride and I'm missing one or two meals and I'm literally only quote unquote snacking you know, on the bike. So now I'm actually in a deficiency state with nutrition. So I'm not purposely trying to do it but it's happening as a byproduct of my energy expenditure and my training. And that's what I have to explain to a lot of athletes is, 
you know, maybe it's a combination. Maybe it's not you just not eating enough food, but maybe it's just you training a ton and not being able to put the nutrients back into your body that it actually needs. Because I think one of the working formulas to try and capture this quantitatively, right, Bob, is looking at the energy we expend through purposeful exercise, mm-hmm. you know, subtracting that from what your energy intake is through food and whatever the number is, you kind of make this relative to your body, your lean body mass, if that data is available. But there's some problems and issues with that. I mean, I think this is all still a work in process with trying to really capture and quantify how do we figure this out? How do we really get to the root cause? But I just wanted to to mention here, yeah, it's it's basically like, what's the energy left over for your body to do all the things it needs to do just to exist, you know, heart to pump, digestion mm-hmm. to work, brain to, you know, be, be doing its thing, all of the systems of the body to work. However, we could also scale that. Like, is it just barely working or are we, you know, optimally living? Anyway, there's there's some issues here, but uh, when you dig into the research, you can find the formula to try and capture, in like, are you in this higher risk or are you dealing with this? There's some issues then with like, well, how accurate are we at calculating how much energy we're consuming through food, how many calories? And how do we really know how many calories we're burning? And then there's some issues like, is this an acute thing over a few days or a chronic issue? What are the consequences short and long-term? So not to overwhelm you listeners, but just to present a little bit more here, some of the aspects here we have to consider. And there's a lot to consider, right? And even what you were mentioning, Dee, where you started to go down that path and like, how does this affect our health? Because we're talking about health and performance, but let's hit on health because that's, you know, in my mind, a little more important. And I mean, having this relative energy deficiency, at least chronically, like acutely, I believe it does happen in athletes um, without them maybe knowing, you know, they have a long weekend of training and, and let's set this up. You have a long weekend of training and sometimes exercise suppresses your hunger. So now you're not eating right away afterwards. So I feel like some of these athletes are playing catch up like on that Monday, Tuesday, but they don't think about it. It's just like, oh, that's when my body is telling me to eat again, right? So that's more of the acute phase, whereas chronically you're doing that over and over again. Or, and I've seen this, deal, like perhaps you're getting these, I'm going to use the word positive, but I'm going to use air quotes with a positive results in terms of maybe looking leaner or losing water weight. And all of a sudden you're getting that, that feedback, that positive feedback loop and like, oh, doing this is equaling this. But here's what I'm going to say, even though you might look good, right? Or better, all these health consequences can result to this. Like you were saying some of them, but you know, females, we have dysregulated menstrual function. And then everybody else we're talking, this can take a hit on your bone health, your hormones, your, your immune system, your GI system, your heart, like heart and lungs. Um, and even like for younger athletes, I work with a lot of younger athletes, and this is a, a huge risk is their growth and development, right? So we really need to be careful with this. So there are, this touches not just the, oh, I'm, you know, possibly looking good or I'm not feeling good or whatever. Like this is possible or touching so many different systems. And Dina, you said this, but not in so many words that if if you are chronically under fueling yourself, whether you know it or not on purpose or not, 
what's happening is you are taxing all these, these biological systems in your body and they will become compromised to the point of them shutting down a little bit so they can stay alive. If that makes sense. Like they're going to shut down just on basic, like I'm just going to squeak by with whatever I need just to stay alive. And then all of a sudden we see all of these, these consequences come from that. Right. And there's, Let's let's also note that there's a huge psychological piece to this too, right? So, like psychological or mental mental health um, disturbances, if you will, can be a result of reds, or could actually be a cause of reds. So it kind of goes both ways when it comes to this. So it is, which is why, of course, when athletes present with reds, we of course are part of the team. You know, sport sport dietitians are part of that performance team, uh, which includes a psychologist, psychiatrist, medical professional, possibly athletic trainer, depending on what what uh, system you're in. But I just want to put that out there. It's not just a, a kind of a oh yeah, I can take care of this one and done, or I'm just going to hire Bob or Dina or another sport dietitian. Like this, this gets a little more complex, doesn't it? Yeah, the number of systems in the body affected. I mean, I, again, I know I, I joke sometimes like maybe the big toe is not a problem, but honestly, you have a bone. You do like big the toes. big toe, don't I you? I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyways, actually, I don't like my big toes, but uh, that's just runner's feet. Anywho, yeah. just, the, yeah, the number of systems, the degree to which these things are prioritized, like survival. Okay, I'm going to have the heart pump, but hey, all these other things are going to kind of decline in uh, optimization or just functioning level. But also, Bob, even just thinking of GI issues on the health-wise, I know we haven't touched on performance consequences yet. Um, and the body weight thing I have seen and, and noticed too, yeah. actually the, the flip side in body weight regulation, mm -hmm. especially layering on that chronic yeah. uh, energy deficiency. So are you talking about gaining weight yeah. in a chronically deprived mm -hmm. state? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, it, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? You're like, it oh is. no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be gaining weight, but that's part of the biological system shutting down as we were mentioning. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So all of that to say, yeah, the range of health uh, consequences and negative effects, pretty vast, Bob. So this is For not sure. a desirable state. Yeah. And it's hard, you know, and, and we're not here to help anybody uh, clinically diagnose this because literally you you need a medical professional team to, to do this. But I do, I think we should talk about some performance yeah. detriments or consequences because mm -hmm. this, this is going to help listeners and athletes out there be like, oh yeah, that's happening to me or my athlete that I coach or whomever. Right. So, you know, you can look at some of these, although it's a lot of great, it's some gray area here because it could just be a training adaptation and fatigue. Right. But so there's, that's why you really want to take, like, if you suspect reds, you do want to take this to a medical professional, but you know, some things performance wise, we could see, you know, injuries happening more often that, that kind of rears its ugly head. And sometimes I see like a lot of athletes not being able to hit their markers and training, whether it's, it's heart rates or power or pace, or they're just not recovering properly. Um, I also see in more like team sport based, a lot of cognitive dysfunctioning. So not able to really making like good decisions or judgment calls or their coordination decreases, or they become more irritable, right? So there are some things physically that you can pick up like, hmm, maybe this is, and again, it's not, 
you know, just because, you know, I might be a little bit pissy on one day doesn't mean I have reds. It just, you know, it, but you have to kind of put these together and say, oh, well, Bob's a little bit irritable and these other things are happening. Perhaps there is something else going on. Maybe he just didn't get enough sleep, right? Maybe there's something right. else. <laughs> right. I think that has been underappreciated in this whole realm is the role of uh, mood disturbances, oh, I'll call it, sure. or just the ability to concentrate, you know, the cognitive aspects here, just thinking of, yeah, key training, key practices in the race setting. Are you, um, and again, like you mentioned, there can be a number of reasons in an acute setting, but just thinking for your own self, like, yeah, this is, I'm noticing these things. It definitely could be related to your fueling patterns um, and this whole yeah. thing that we're talking about. Well, and I think it makes sense for some athletes and it, it's probably more prominent in endurance athletes. Now that I'm thinking about this, because like team sports, you might have a practice for two hours, but you're getting water breaks at start, stop, you know, it, it, it's probably not as prominent. Although I will say working in college athletics, it's not just about the practice. It's about the entire schedule, like school schedule, sleep schedule, social schedule, right? So uh, REDS is actually very prominent in the collegiate setting uh, and even kind of bleeding into um, the high school setting. But what I'll also say is sometimes we just like, do we just don't realize it? Like, you know, if you, if you go for like a, I don't know, let's call endurance athlete, ultra runner, you go for a three hour run and you're like, you know, I'm just, I'm just running. Like, I don't need that many calories. Maybe I don't even need that much water. I'll come home and I'll eat. And, you know, remember what I was saying earlier is you're probably going to, your hunger is going to be suppressed. You're not going to be hungry. So you're going to wait a few hours because you're not hungry. So now it just, it compounds, you know, one day after the next day, after the next day. But, you know, we have to kind of consider that one training session isn't going to predispose you to reds, obviously, but the it could develop a pattern. And that's what I'm concerned with, with athletes who are constantly saying, oh, I don't need food during this mm -hmm. run now there or during this session. Yeah. There might be sessions where you don't, but this is where like Dean and I get really sensitive to, if you're doing that over and over again, in different sessions, different training sessions, that's where we, we kind of become a little more interested because we know that, and especially if you're telling us you're not eating afterwards, or maybe not even eating before D, maybe they're going out in a fasted state, right? So we have to kind of look at this and listeners, I want you to start looking at your exercise and training patterns and asking yourself, am I doing fasted workouts? How long, how long are those fasted workouts? Am I, am I strategically not eating during that workout? How do I feel after that workout? Am I eating immediately after? Am I eating four hours after? Like what's going on? Because those are some key questions that we look at initially just to look at any trend data and kind of see what's going on. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and sometimes, like I said, we don't do it on purpose. Right. And that's what I see a lot of this, even with my collegiate athletes there, it's not like they're depriving or reducing their caloric intake. It's just that. And a lot of times it's schedule, like, especially with, with, again, I'm, I apologize for using collegiate athletes all the time, but they are so, so busy with their schedules. It's kind of like us working adults, right? But, you know, imagine that, you know, you wake up in the morning and this is a typical schedule for a collegiate D1 athlete. They wake up um, depending on their sport, of course, I'm, I'm working with, I'm thinking one in my mind that I'm working with, but they wake up around six o'clock in the morning. Uh, they do strength 
for an hour. Then they have to go to class for three to four hours. Then they have to go to the athletic training room to get treatment and get ready for practice. And they have a four hour practice. And then they've got a few hours after practice to actually eat and do homework. So it's kind of like us, you know, as, as adults in the working world, where we wake up in the morning and what are we doing? Then we work eight to 10 hours a day. And then what do we do afterwards? But what I'm saying is your schedule can definitely impair your energy intake. And then you factor on any energy expenditure, i.e. exercise or training you're doing. And it, it, it does. It's kind of like a, a, a kind of like a, a balloon that's going to explode at, at some point. Yeah, definitely. Considering schedule that the um, timing of training practices, et cetera, and really working on that nutrient timing piece can be a game changer here in whether yeah. we're going to be at a higher risk of, of red reds exactly. or low and energy. And there are, I want to talk about food here in a second, D, but let me just flash up some signs and symptoms because this could help our listeners. And, you know, we kind of talked about like some performance detriments and consequences and health, but, you know, these are some of the actual signs and symptoms of red. So they're, they're physical and then they're psychological. So the physical, uh, you can look at like for females, amenorrhea. So absence of the menstrual cycle, uh, what you're going to see in some of these though, you're like, oh, that that's going to happen no matter what. Right. But like dehydration, uh, digestive problems, hypothermia. So maybe you have an intolerance to cold and I would say it's getting worse. I would just add to that. Right. It just gets worse and worse and worse. Uh, maybe like we said, injuries, uh, in, risk for injuries, stress fractures specifically, muscle cramping, um, significant weight loss could be like significant, not planned, but like, wow, what's happened? Like, I don't know what's happening. And that's what I was talking about earlier is you may think you're looking good, but that might not be a good thing for health. Right. So some of the, those are the physical, the psychological to look for are a lot of the mental, mental health disorders and challenges. Right. So we've got anxiety, we've got depression, um, the, the claims of, of like not feeling right. So I don't feel right in my body, right? Like something is not good, whatever that means to you. Right. Uh, excessive exercise is one of them for sure. And, you know, being, being preoccupied with weights and, and eating like really, like really preoccupied, like more so than, than, you know, maybe you're, you normally are. And what I see sometimes D2, um, is, you know, working in, in different athletic situations and teams in, in my, uh, in my work is actually not engaging in certain eating situations. Right. So I don't go to the dining hall with my team members, or I don't want to eat dinner with someone else because it's just that, that overwhelming response of this isn't right. Maybe I'm being judged. Maybe I'm judging myself. So there are some things just to kind of pick up on that will help you. And again, we're not trying to help anyone diagnose because that's not our job, but it's to help you pick up. Like if something is going on, it's probably a good thing to, you know, get a, get a medical professional involved here for sure. I think an area that gets tricky, Bob, when you're commenting on the menstrual cycle and absence of mm. menstrual cycle is are women athletes in perimenopause who yeah. start to have irregular periods, or maybe they're on an oral contraceptive and they think they're getting a period, you know, but it's not a natural period, right? So yeah. these are considerations that can make this a little noisy because like, well, is this my hormones or is this, 
you know, a low energy availability state? What is at the root here? Um, and again, I think to what you're saying, I mean, while um, a sport dietitian, registered dietitian can assist in determining whether you are experiencing this, it's nice to have a medical team with the dietitian. I mean, that is part of the team. Um, mm-hmm. But nonetheless, there can be some some tricky ways to kind of piece through all of this. So where do we where do we start with the listener? And the listeners are like, okay, this is great information. What should I look at for me? Well, of course it depends because obviously we're talking about male and female, right? So, you know, with females we can pick on the menstrual cycle, but sometimes not, right? Yeah. What you're saying, D, right? <laughs> so that's not an, always a great marker. Um, but it, it could be, like I said, like go back to the signs and symptoms that I just listed, and you know, maybe maybe read up a little bit on this. But I think what's really important is we look at food availability. Right. And let's just talk about that because I think it's really important to, in the context of reds, I think it's really important to not purposely skip anything, to be honest with you. Right. When you, when you do, um, kind of suspect something is, is happening and possibly reds, I, I, I don't think there is a, a time and a place for purposely skipping meals, snacks, call it whatever you want. I think looking at, you know, your trends and maybe even doing a food log, it doesn't have to be anything uh, quantitative. It could just be writing down what, when, and why I eat, but just to kind of help you, the listener understand, oh, this is, this is what I'm eating. Like, you know, great example is Dean, I went for a, a mountain bike ride yesterday and I got back. I'm like, why did I, why did I feel, oh, I didn't eat lunch. <laughs> what I'm saying is sometimes we get in that, that routine and like, we just, I get it. Like we forget sometimes. And and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is prime time to exercise. This is the only hour I have or whatever. And you're like, oh, and then you don't think about it until halfway through your exercise. And you're like, wow, I'm really not feeling good. Right. So I think that's where the food log can really help you ascertain what you're doing on a daily basis. Instead of saying, you know, Dina, like if I ask you what you had for dinner last night, you would probably say, because uh, it because we just don't remember those things immediately, do we? It might take a couple seconds, yeah. Right, right. Or for some, like lo- it, yeah, it just fades out of the brain. Yeah, so. I mean, in, but if I said, Dina, what did you eat all day yesterday? You'd be like, mm. Oh man, where am I? <laughs> I don't even know. But that's that's what I'm saying, listeners. Like, keep a food dog, food food dog, food log mm. for a couple days, just so you can be better aware of what's happening in your daily nutrition plan relative to your eating plan. And I love doing this for my longer distance athletes. Cause they, you know, Saturday and Sundays are like, Oh, I spent eight hours, you know, running or biking and running or doing swim bike running or doing whatever. And then they have their food log and they're like, wow. So I ate a snack. I snacked all day. And then I had a dinner. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like the light bulb, like the proverbial light bulb, like, Oh, Wow. And sometimes you can't do anything about it on those days, but you can do something about it outside of those days. The tracking, Bob, is key, right? And and for our female athletes, yeah, tracking menstrual cycle. And this just is is not just like, oh yeah, my period came, I'm good. It's it's really looking at, you know, how long are the cycles? So what's the duration of time between periods, the flow of the the menstrual period? What is the trend over time? And starting to see, is it consistent? But even if it's consistent, it doesn't mean that you're free from what we're talking about. You can still have some other issues because a lot of this is like a continuum where there might be 
some, you know, hits to certain systems of the body before, before uh, maybe bigger signs reveal. But yeah. if you are yeah. on, oh, I was just going to say, if you're on an oral yeah. contraceptive, being mindful that, you know, the menstrual cycle you have is, is really not going to give a picture there. So like, I will say there are a number of, of women athletes, you know, age 35 older that decide to go off oral contra contraceptive because we need to know what's going on more naturally with the body. So, you know, that's an option to discuss with the medical team. And I was just going to add, Bob, when you mentioned earlier about bone bone health and injuries and bone injuries and things. I mean, we can do DEXA scans more aggressively mm -hmm. to track bone health from an objective perspective and have some other diagnostic tools besides looking at food intake. And I, I think you were going to go there and I just jumped the gun a little bit. I was actually going to shout out to to my the guys out there, right? Because they're like, "Listen, this is great, but I don't yeah. I don't have a menstrual cycle. Like, what can mm -hmm. I what can I do?" And of course, it does depend on the age, right? Let's throw that. Yeah. But I love what you're what you're saying, D. Is like, let's let's do some testing. If polydexa is fantastic, yes, yeah. for males also. Um, but you know, in for males, like if we can do some hormone testing, some testosterone, some DHEA. Now that may not be as realistic for you or, or, you know, maybe you can't have that done as much. So maybe just looking at the low hanging fruits, like, are you more irritable or depressed? Like what, what mental, what is going on from a mental health perspective, but then also with your training, if you use some type of log or software, you can actually track your training response, right? So if you're seeing a decrease in your numbers, meaning your, your physiological improvements, or decrease in muscle strength or anything regarding training adaptation, that could be a clear sign for males because we, I just don't feel like unless you get some blood work testing, you just don't have that immediate feedback like, oh, what's happening here? Those are, those are signs. They're not going to point directly because it could just be that, you know, you're in a heavy training block and you're fatigued. Right. But yeah. those are signs to, to look at. And even if you have a coach, discuss with your coach to see if the physiological adaptation is on the right page. Like if you're feeling irritable and fatigued and you're not hitting your numbers and you go to your coach and, and he or she is like, well, I don't know, because we haven't been doing much at all for training. That could be a clear sign. Something is going on here. But if the coach says, oh yeah, we've been building, you know, you're just running, running empty right now. We've got to focus on getting more food in because we're hitting you so hard with training then, then, you know, you don't know until you know, right. So then, you know, mm -hmm. Ooh, this is what's happening. But I do, I do just want to kind of call out to the males that we just have to use other indices to really look at what's happening uh, in our body. And sometimes they are subjective. I get that. Yeah. Uh, but luckily there are some objective measures in terms of the blood, blood work and biomarker testing. I have a question, Bob. Yeah. And we can cut this out if you, if you want. I was curious about the libido factor. Um, oh is yeah, that how that plays into this, and and I realize that's not nutrition related, but just curious, um, your knowledge of that being maybe one of the signs of of potential issue here. Absolutely, I think it's definitely one of the signs. I don't think it's a it's a you know primary sign because I think there's a lot of other things going on there. But yeah, for males specifically, and I don't know mm -hmm. for females, but males specifically, you do have yeah. a decrease in libido, which is tied to hormone imbalances, yeah. which could be tied to reds and 
low energy availability, not eating enough to supply the, the biological systems with enough yeah. sustenance to be able to function. And that that's a great point. I mean, even, you know, let's just play the aging card, you know, unfortunately males testosterone decreases as we age and we do have libido changes. And that's one thing that is a primary concern for males. So, you know, it's kind of like a perfect storm D I'm just going to pick on, on my gender really quick because, you know, we age, we may gain weight. We may gain body fat. Our testosterone might go down. Our DHEA might go down. Our libido may go down. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, we have to make some changes. I'm not going to eat a lot or I'm going to diet. Right. And it's actually the complete opposite that you should do. It's the worst thing you could do because your biological systems don't want that. They want the exact opposite. They want you to feed. You have to feed correctly, of course, right? But they want you to feed the body and maybe even do different types of exercise to influence testosterone, right? And that's yeah. that's where it can kind of get a little bit tricky. But I think that's where kind of circling back where you track, you look at trends, uh, you meet with a medical team or a sport dietitian, you have some blood work testing, biomarker testing. I just, I just think, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, employing medical professionals when not needed, but this is a needed category. It absolutely is right. It's just, you just can't get away with it. And I'm not even playing the age card here. I don't care how old you are. If this is suspected, I think you need to get a team, uh, have a team approach and, and have them help you. And, and sometimes we don't like asking for help. And that's cool. I get it. But when it comes to this, you're, this is affecting so many systems in the body. It's, it's almost like you have to reach out and, and ask for help. So many good points there, Bob. And even speaking of a support team, our mental health professionals too can come in here and be hugely impactful. I think, uh, especially when we're having uh, mental health issues or that's coming into the picture, whether that's disordered eating, eating disorder, or just other things going on. So I see roles for virtually every, every kind of staff, <laughs> but at least starting with some awareness and going from there. It's true. And, and hopefully this episode has done just that. And that was kind of our goal is to provide awareness, to provide education. Uh, it's not to, to help, you know, you fix anything, but it's hopefully you're like, you're writing this down. You're like, oh, you know what, this is, this makes sense. Like either for yourself or for someone, you know, and, you know, to take those next steps, I think is really important. And if it's someone, you know, it's just to have a non-confrontational conversation with this and, you know, telling them you care, and this is what you've, re you've been seeing and how much you care about them. It's not saying, you know, waving your finger and saying, Dina, you need to do this. Like, that's the worst thing you could do, right? Um, and if it's yourself realizing, wow, maybe I do need to track my food intake and my training program or my training adaptations. And maybe ask myself, like with the athletes I coach, Dina, I ask them to write down like how they feel during a workout. Like, wow, hey, legs were heavy. It wasn't there mentally, like whatever. Because then you start piece putting the pieces of the puzzle together, right? And if it's chronic, something is going on. It's not just like, oh, had a bad day at work, right? It, it, you know, that's that's usually not the case when it comes to chronic things. So I would just highlight that, that, you know, log, um, you know, maybe get some testing for sure, but just keep an open mind with this and just remember that it does happen to everyone at some point, it, whether it's an acute or a chronic state, it will happen for sure. I mean, it's happened to me many, many times. And, you know, luckily I've, I've caught that and, you know, I, I obviously have the knowledge to, to catch that, but I know how to address that with myself, but 
you know, if it weren't for me food logging and, you know, really paying attention to my training log, I might not have caught it D. I might have just brushed away the symptoms and how I was feeling. Cause that's yeah. what guys do, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, yeah, some of us out here were like, oh, that's, that's probably not an issue for me or else just yeah. not wanting to deal with it. So yeah, an intentional, there is the, the unintentional and intentional piece here, like you were saying, but the awareness education and, you know, those things are great for steps diving into this very for important sure. piece. So I think I provided my last words on the topic. How about you, Dee? Do you have any last words for our great listeners? No, I think just communicating with your coach, your dietitian, whoever it is, if you have concerns, I mean, you can certainly do the logging and things as Bob was saying, if that helps. But if hearing this is any sort of like, hmm, I'm I'm kind of nervous now, or I'm, I'm wanting to dive in further, I wouldn't wait to dive in with someone. And then, you know, we can get, the right practitioners on on board to help you. And I think the only other thing I wanted to add, Bob, is, well, maybe two things. Um, we should have a couple more episodes on this very important topic as more research comes out. And I think the second thing is we do need more research, like you're saying, with, with male athletes, there's not a ton. With the aging female or aging people, there's not a ton of research. People with of different races or physical disabilities. Like we, there's still a lot more we need to learn, but regardless, we've got enough to know this is a legitimate piece of being human and being an active human. And so props to all of you uh, being more educated about relative energy deficiency in sport. Yeah, we definitely appreciate that. And again, our goal was to provide this initial education. As Dina mentioned, we'll uh, have some follow-up episodes uh, for sure in the future. So keep listening. And if you do have specific questions on REDS or anything just regarding this episode, be sure to reach out to us via email. You can just email us at hello at insidesportsnutrition.com. We will either answer you individually or we'll turn it on to or into a ask us anything and ask it on the air so we can develop a complete episode on that. So with that all said, listeners, we appreciate you. You guys and gals are so awesome. We just love having you here every week listening to our podcast. Be sure to go submit a great review on the podcast platform of your choice. Give us a five-star rating, type in why you love us, and we will catch you on the next podcast. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode and hanging in there to the end with us, especially to learn about this very important topic. We will have more to come on relative energy deficiency and the athlete triad in future episodes. So while you have a minute, if you're not already subscribed or following the pod, do that right now on this podcast platform that you're listening on. And bonus, if you're on Spotify or Apple Pods, super easy to leave a five-star rating. That helps us grow and continue to share content with other listeners like you around the world. And we really appreciate that. Stay tuned for next week's episode. We're doing another Ask Us Anything episode answering a couple questions related to acid reflux and sugar. I know. So those are coming your way next week. And we look forward to seeing you then. In the meantime, 
Uh, If you'd like to learn more about the nutrition coaching services and physiological and biomarker testing that both Bob and I offer, you can visit Bob's offerings at energyperformance.com, E-N-R-G performance.com, or myself, Dina, over at nutritionmechanic.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests involved and do not represent a replacement for medical consultation with your doctor. The information and opinions provided here are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or medical condition. This podcast is for information, education, and entertainment purposes only.